Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, you came back. And here I am. Um, I'm going to probably... It's my goal tonight to mess your hair up a little bit um, and kind of communicate what I believe is uh, maybe the next thing I'm supposed to say. Uh, I spent a good time talking to the Lord today. I went to this restaurant called Jackie's Place. Have you ever heard of that place? I was the youngest person in there by about 30 years, but... Uh, including the waitress, but anyway, uh, I think she was 90, she had to be, but she did a good job. Um, anyway, I sat in there for probably three hours today and, uh, and just kind of got myself together for tonight, so um, I believe that some of you are on the verge of something uh, your next step, you've been, you've been stuck in a place and you, you feel like you maybe haven't moved forward in a while and you're just kind of in this place and, and you're feeling stuck, you're feeling like maybe God uh, has lost track of you or maybe you've lost track of him and you're in this place and I, I am, I'm going to believe that you're one prayer away from busting through to the other side uh, or breaking out of that space that you've been in. And I don't know what keeps you there. Shame keeps you there. Distraction keeps you there. Uh, some, some thing that somebody did and you're giving them more power in your life than God has. And uh, you're giving what they think more power than what God thinks. You uh, Sometimes we get into a place where uh, we feel like we tried God and he didn't work. Now we're going to try the God of this world and see if he can't give us what we need. And how many of you know that the devil always promises you what only God can provide you? He'll always tell you, hey, if you go with me, then you'll get what you're looking for. And then how many of you know that he'll... Uh, get an iron skillet and bang you over the head because you followed him, even though he enticed you. Remember, he told Eve, he said, listen, uh, if you just do what I say, you'll be like God. And she was already like God. Isn't that weird? And then she, and then she drank the Kool-Aid on that stuff. Uh, she bought into it. She she bit into it. And uh, and, and then she saw that it was enticing and it was good to eat. How many of you know that when uh, the opponent who is the enemy of your destiny wants to lure you away from what God has called you to do, he will always make it look better than where you're at. And, he'll, and, and, then, and then it'll look better than your actual disciplined, discipling life. That, that the words of the world all, all of a sudden start looking better than the words of God. And then as soon as you take a bite of that, something on the inside of you gets out of alignment. And so uh, tonight, let's talk about this. And let's talk about, like, you better think twice before you roll them dice, baby. 
You better think twice before you walk away from God because somebody acted like a human being. You better think twice before you put all of your chips in the middle of the table of somebody else's behavior. You know how many men of God have let me down? Every single one of them that I've ever followed. I remember I was out with this guy. He was the Bishop of Ghana. And the way he got saved, his name is, uh, oh, his name was Nicholas Duncan Williams. Nicholas Duncan Williams. And he talked like this right here. And his dad was like a voodoo guy, like a witch doctor dude. And he was one of 39 kids in Ghana, West African little nation. And the way he came to Jesus was he held his, his dad held his fingers over a candle until these three fingers fell off. So he didn't have any fingers. He held the microphone like this. And he was in this demonic trance and, got, and Jesus visited him and saved him. And now the guy has the biggest church, 22,000, 25,000 uh, West Africans in Ghana, and he's their bishop. And I'm having dinner with him and my pastor at the time, and, and, and us three were having spaghetti. If, if, if West Africans eat spaghetti, I guess this guy did. And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, listen to me, young man. If your pastor goes down, you go down with him. And I said, no, if my pastor goes down, I go on. And he goes, oh, my God, you are dangerous, boy. You are dangerous. <laughs> and then I told him the story about how I was at my church for 19 years, the youth pastor. I grew the biggest youth ministry in America. I was in Charisma Magazine. I preached on the United States Capitol to 300,000 people. I, I, I did all of this amazing stuff. And one day, the 75-year-old pastor came in because somebody got his ear, and he fired all of the staff pastors in the whole church, fired everybody except himself. And I'm telling the Bishop of Ghana this. And I said, you know, I, I, I've been hurt. I've been let down. My spiritual fathers have taken and they haven't given and all this stuff. And I re I'll never forget. He looked at me. He said, listen, until I, I, it sounds better in his voice. He says, as long as you remain in pain and do not see God's hand in all of it, you will remain a boy of God. But when you can look back and see God's hand you'll become a man of God and people will follow you. Let me tell you something. The devil is terrified at you growing up. I can't get no help from no Michigan people up in here. He's terrified of you fulfilling your purpose. He's terrified. That's why, that's why you've been distracted, brah. That's why you've been over here like checking this out and all that kind of stuff. The devil is terrified of you embracing your destiny and be ripping his chicken lips off and you actually becoming the man of God that God has, has called you to be. So what's going to happen? He's going to distract you with all, you know, I don't know. I guess I'd be distracted by a bikini too. But uh, you know what? 
Nobody in a bikini is worth my destiny. You feeling me, dog? So, so you, the devil is really good at being the devil. If you got your eyes on people, you might as well forget about it. The apostle Paul said, if I cared about man's approval, I would have never become a minister. So listen, man, you got to be able to stand alone. You got to be confident in your call. You have to be a possessor of your purpose and stop giving people so much power. People are the, are the object of our ministry. They're not what we, it, we're not what we calibrate to when we make decisions. We calibrate to our call, not to people we're called to. Amen. Are you feeling me? So, so listen, stop letting your excuses be bigger than your destiny. The devil is awesome at providing you an excuse. He's good at writing excuses here. Here's an excuse note from, the, from Dr. Devil. Listen, you got to stay on track. You got to stay strong. You got to fulfill your purpose. You got to do your ministry. You got to stand alone sometimes. This is the time when this city needs some, a constituency and a community of Christians that aren't selling out to a bunch of junk, but we are full on in the deep end of our purpose so this, this city has a chance at heaven. Come on, somebody. And why not us? Why not this be the time? Why not this be the place? And why can't we be the people? I'm not going to despise small beginnings. Why can't we pack this place out? Why can't we see a move of God like we've never seen before? Why can't we see young people laying down all of their distractions? And we see old people uh, losing their judgments. And we, and we see business people giving God what's, what's, what belongs to him. And let's get resources and expand our reach. Why can't it be us? Why do we have to watch everybody else get theirs? And we're like, well, shoot. Man, it's time to put our foot down and say, I'm going to get mine. I'm not exiting this planet, leaving some of my destiny unfulfilled. Amen, somebody? I'm not doing it. On Tuesday night in Holland, Michigan, what am I doing here? Come on, somebody. I'm here helping you be who God has called you to be. And I don't know about you, and I ain't trying to be nobody. Listen, I ain't trying to be nobody. But the fact that God held me over another day, and I'm not trying to be nobody, but I'm stinking busy. I don't have time to hang out at Jackie's place. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I'm not trying to be nobody, except that I couldn't shake the idea that maybe, just maybe, there's at least one person here tonight that needs to hear me hollering at them. And wake them the heck up and snap them out of the ether that they've been breathing that's got them drunk on their own pain and resentment. It's time to snap out of that, slap the devil and move on with your destiny. Amen, somebody? And so if I get to heaven and that was you wasting time on a treadmill, having all kind of activity but not going anywhere, getting off the same place you got on for the doggone last five years of your life, and you come up to me in heaven and go, I was the guy. I'll be cool. But tonight better count for something because it cost me. And I'm not doing this because I like to hear myself preach, even though I do. 
I'm here for you. So match my efforts. Get in here with faith. Believe what I'm saying. I'm not just here fiddling around. Because there's something spiritual at stake. And we all better wake the heck up. almost said something else. We need to wake up to our reality. Why do you want to go back to who you used to be instead of going on into, into, into who God has called you to be? Amen? So let me, let me just talk about this. So I want to just entitle this message on the verge. You're on the verge. You're one prayer away from popping out of where you walked in. You'll walk out different than you walked in. So if the person in the back, who's probably Adrian, uh, can put this scripture up in the New American Standard Version if you have it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Watch this. Let me just start off with this scripture. It says, pursue peace with everybody, with all men. New American Standard Bible. I don't know what you're putting up there, but that's not the one I want. You don't have it. Well, you're going to get it. Okay, that's close enough. Pursue peace. When I come back, we need New American Standard Bible up there. That's the best one. Pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. What is our pursuit with people? Peace. What do we do? What do we allow to happen? We allow distance. We allow division. We allow differences. We allow disappointments. We allow what I expected you to do that you didn't do, which that's, the, that's just typical of humanity. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. Shocker. People act like humans all the time. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Everybody say sanctification. Now listen to me. I know that sanctification is what causes us to see the Lord in heaven, but you will never be able to see the Lord operating on earth until you are under the influence of grace. The word sanctification, leave that scripture up there, please. The word sanctification means to be under the influence of grace and grace alone. So if you are journeying through through the planet and you're under the influence of shame and you're under the influence of uh, discouragement, you're under the influence of bitterness, you're under the influence of resentment, you're under the influence of disappointment, you're under the influence of guilt. How many of you know that you'll never see God working in your life? You'll never see it. All you'll see is the filters of your mistakes, Listen, we got to break the power of shame. We got to tell guilt to shut up. We got to love people no matter how they behave. Listen, we, our trust needs to be in God. Our love needs to be toward people. It says, listen, no one is going to see the Lord. And listen, you can't be at peace. You cannot be at peace unless you understand grace. And listen, peace is the platform from which you possess promise. You never get God's promises pulled into your life from a disposition of panic. So if our enemy can get us panicking, 
If he, can, if he can get us mad, if he can get us distracted, if he can get us out of alignment, it's, it's biblically impossible to possess promise because promise is possessed from peace. That's why the Bible says pursue peace with everybody. That way you have a constant flow of promise in your life and then you're under the influence of grace so you don't think that, you don't think you deserve it. You're able to give God praise because of it. Now listen, let me keep going. Thank you, thank you. Wow, you guys are livening up. Look what's happening up in here. Breaking out of this Baptist thing we were in earlier. Now look at verse 15. This is huge. It says now, see to it, which actually means look diligently, that no one comes short of the grace of God. That whenever we get in... Let me say it like this. The way you come short of the grace of God is by being apprehended by religion. The way you come short of the grace of God is thinking that you have something to do with your Christianity. Your humanity has nothing to do with your Christianity. It's grace and grace alone that saved you, not your perfect performance. The purpose of God doesn't move when you make a mistake. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. The first gift is salvation. The Bible says you're saved by grace, not of yourselves, lest any man boast. It's a gift. So why would God, God, God will never take a, well, once saved, always saved? Yes. It's not I put my right foot in, I put my right foot out, and I shake it all. That's not what salvation is. That, your heaven, heaven is secure. So we got to lose, but see, the Bible says that we need to communicate grace to people, not judgment, not religious rigidity, not a bunch of rules and regulations, but a free-flowing relationship that pursues the peace of God, the grace of God, the will of God for our lives. And this is what our city needs. It doesn't need a bunch of homophobic, racist uh, uh People that are afraid of each other, people that want the people that think different than us killed, the people who think the people that don't think like us, we don't want anything to do with them. That's not what God has called us to be in this era and in this in the, in this time and space. I'm not moving away from people who don't think like me. I'm moving toward them because without me, they don't have a chance. Is your Christianity? Listen, man, is your Christianity so fragile that if you get around some sinners, that they're going to get on you, their icky's going to get on you? If I was a sinner and a Christian acted like that, I'd be afraid that their version of Christianity would get on me. I'm not afraid of sinners. I'm afraid of religious people who are the meanest you think cancel culture started with woke? Cancel culture started in the church. No amens on that. No amens. I still aren't getting any. What do we do when somebody doesn't act like we want them to act? Canceled. You're out. I'm sorry. No mas. Do the Roberto Durant. No mas. 
I'm not doing this. And then we want, we want the loss to follow us. It's the grace of God, right, kids? Or you're not kids, but you are to me. We got to stop it, man. We got to knock it off. We got to get out of these conversations that they're not having in heaven. People, people would call my office. I hope you can handle this. I, I don't really care if you can't. I don't care. I'm going home tomorrow. And I, maybe I'm a visitor for the last time. And Josh would be like, you offended people. That's, I'm just being like Jesus. Some guy calls my church. He's never called my church. What do you think? Of, what's the church's stance on Black Lives Matter? I go, what? The church is like, like you think I've written policy on Black Lives Matter and we're going to put it on our website? This is what we think. I said, are you serious? You're calling the church with this question? What is this, the Vatican? The church's stance? Let me call the Pope and see what he thinks. I said, listen to me. Do you think Jesus and God are talking about Black Lives Matter right now? I said, if they're not talking about it in heaven, I'm not talking about it. Number two, you've never called the church in your whole life and asked a question about scripture. You're asking political questions. I refuse to have political conversations when people are going to burn in hell if I don't do my job. I do not use my pulpit for political purposes because there's a, if you want political commentary, watch the news. There's enough bad news on TV. People need some good news. If people use their pulpit for politics, when the politics settle down, people are going to look at us like, I can't trust you because you didn't use your pulpit for good news. You use your pulpit for, for political reasons and you'll lose your authority in the hearts of people. Yeah. I don't want to do that. What do I think of Black Lives Matter? I don't know. I think Jesus is Lord. I think we need to communicate a narrative of love. I think we need to embrace all people. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be every tongue and tribe and ethnic group and race and creed and color. And we're all going to be together worshiping one God. And ain't nobody going to be in the black section or the white section or the Latino section or the Asian section or whatever section, the white section. But I will say this, if I get to heaven and the worship leader is white, I'm leaving. <laughs> just kidding. I just need a little flavor, baby. That was a joke. I don't want the white people writing pastor a letter. Like, what color is he? I'm a white guy, but I got some flavor, baby. Okay. See to it that no one's come short of the grace of God. Why? Because if you are in any other disposition and mindset of grace for yourself and others, a root of bitterness will spring up and cause you trouble, and by it many will be defiled. What ends up happening is that the root of bitterness is what happens to people who don't understand how to apply grace to their own life and other people's lives. So if you're bitter... It's because you haven't extended grace to somebody. If you're bitter, you haven't extended grace to yourself. Now everybody who dips their cup in your water and drinks you, it's bitter. Everybody who talks to you. There's not the sweet 
bitterness of grace. There's the bitterness of religion that comes out of your life. Look, if we're going to win a city, we're going to have to have some grace for some people. Amen? We're going to have to be able to say, hey, it's all good. Like, God loves you, and I do too. And I'm not going to try to change you from the outside in. Jesus will change you from the inside out. Listen, we have to create a canopy of love that's big enough to let people process their Christianity at their own rate. I'm not going to tell you to hurry up, Omar, and get become a minute. Hurry up, homie. Put the gas on the, put the pedal down, baby. You should be farther along than you are right now. Hey, that's none of my business. Pursue God. Find grace. Go tell your knuckleheaded friends they need Jesus. Bring them to church. You feel me? This, this is, this, if you want to break out of where you are, you better listen to what I'm saying. This is the word of God. I'm reading the word of God, brother. Like, this is what the Bible says to do. Listen, we've got to get to the place where our lives are bringing God glory. Amen? Amen. We've got to be a community of believers whose lives bring God glory. It's vital that all that we do as a church is God glorifying and Christ magnifying. Listen, it's an honor to be a part of God's plan and purpose. It's an honor to be God's people with the plan and the purpose deposited in us. So here's the big deal. Here's the big question. What is God's glory and how do we set the conditions as a people? And the right conditions for God's glory to be revealed in our life. And what is the personal benefit of having a life that brings God glory? So let me just talk to you about this. I'm not trying to be religious or use some religious terminology. Just let me explain. I mean, if we could put uh, in whatever version of the Bible you have up there, um, 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says this. That momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So let me just explain to you what I'm talking about. Momentary light affliction. Sometimes trouble seems like it's lasting a long time and it's heavy. When the Bible says it's momentary in light. How do we take what is weighing us down and burden? burdening us down for a really long time and transform that thing into momentary and light how do we do that well the reason why your troubles are weighing you down is because if you have like a scale and you got your troubles on this side and you got nothing on this side it's one of those kind of you know lawyer weight things and you put your trouble here if there's nothing on this side your trouble seems like it's heavy and it's going to last forever but the bible says that if you will navigate through your troubles with grace you will have it will actually transform your life into a uh, outpouring of God's glory. It's eternal weight of glory. It outweighs everything. So if your life is bringing God's glory, when 
God's glory gets on the scale of your life. When your life is bringing God glory, all of your troubles seem light and momentary. Why? Because God's glory's in your life now. The reason why you're overwhelmed is because you're not bringing God glory. The reason why you're angry all the time, you're not bringing God glory. The reason why you're, uh, you feel like I've been in this place forever is because you're not bringing God's glory. Because God's glory outweighs it all. So if you don't have God's glory, then you got trouble and weightiness that you can't carry. So we got to get God's glory on the scale of our life so we quit carrying burdens we can't carry that seem like they've been there forever. It makes sense. Can we just like lighten up and tighten up this thing? And let's get God's glory operating in our life. So how do we get God's glory? Well, what is God's glory? Very quickly, for the sake of time, God's glory is simply this, the substance that satisfies. That's what God's glory is. You know you have God's glory in your life, girl? You're satisfied. You're not on the hunt. You're not hunting for satisfaction. You're not walking around like Mick Jagger singing, I can't get no (laughs) satisfaction. The Rolling Stones are about to celebrate 60 years as a band. Oh, my goodness. Hang it up, Mick. (laughs) And your lips weigh 17 pounds each. Like, and he wears spandex and he walks and I can't get no. It's like, stop, stop, you're old. I mean, you got man boobs. You got like, you drop, everything's dropping and you're like walking around thinking you're sexy. Stop. Sorry. Just my opinion. So it's the substance that satisfies. So are you dissatisfied in your life? Are you unfulfilled in your life? Are you trying to name your pain? Trying to figure out whose fault it is? Are you spending more time resenting your life than enjoying your life? Is there no room in your life for anybody else? When was the last time you blessed somebody for the first time? You can't do any of that if your life isn't bringing God glory because we have to operate from a disposition of satisfaction. And you can't satisfy yourself. You can't configure, you can't get enough money, you can't get enough friends, you can't live in a big enough house, your rims can't be big enough. You know, when I was a kid, it was like 17-inch rims, and then it went up to 19-inch, and then, and then I started getting older, and next thing you know, there's 20s, and there's 22s, and then I was driving somewhere the other day, and somebody had like 24s on a Chevy Monte Carlo. I, I wanted to tell the guy, hey, homie, come here. This looks really stupid, but I would have got shot, so I didn't say anything, but it was like, I'm like, those are 20. Four inch rims? Like, and why? Because 22s weren't big enough? They didn't satisfy you? Like, it's always something bigger and better and more elaborate, and, and, and we're constantly trying to satisfy ourselves, but it never happens because the only thing that can satisfy the human condition is God's glory getting on your life. And the reason why we're not satisfied is we don't know how to set the conditions to bring God's glory in our life. So we spend our whole life searching, 
looking, upgrading. Guys upgrade their wives. I live in Newport Beach area, California, actually, Laguna Beach. But, you know, you go to Laguna and you're just always going, who's this? Where's your wife? Oh, you know, we grew apart. And who's this? It's my new wife. Oh, and how's this working for you? Well, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure you will see. And I'm watching too. Everyone else will see too. It's just on a constant upgrade, constantly upgrading. How many of you know that no matter how much you upgrade, it'll never satisfy. The only thing you can do is set the conditions to let God be glorified in your life and then the search is over. Then you can be a blessing instead of always trying to accumulate for yourself. It's the substance that satisfies. That's what God's glory is. So, how do we set the conditions? I'm going to preach my message now. John chapter 17. Thanks, Danielle. Is that you back there? John chapter 17, verse 4. Now, this is good stuff. This changed my life. Jesus is praying to his father. And he said, I have brought glory to you. The actual word placement there is I have glorified you or my life has brought God glory on the earth. Everybody say on the earth. Now look at me. On the earth, that's where we live. So God's glory is possible on the earth. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to be satisfied. Because the same substance that exists in heaven is possible in your life on earth. Because Jesus said, I brought it to you from heaven to earth. I, I brought the disposition of heaven into my earth. I glorified you on earth. How? Having finished, finished the work you gave me to do. Let me tell you what brings God glory. When you finish, accomplish, get to the finish line of your destiny. You will never be satisfied if you quit mid-race. You will never be fulfilled if you start with God and get offended and step off thinking that stepping off is going to give you what you're looking for, but you just got out of alignment to actually have satisfaction and, and, and being fulfilled in your life because you got out of your purpose and now you are no longer going to have the opportunity to be satisfied and gratified and fulfilled because the only thing can do it is you finishing. That's why the devil always tells you to quit. Because when you quit on God, you pick up yourself and you start serving yourself and you will never be self-satisfied. Like, what are you looking for out there? What do you think's out there for you? We got to stop romanticizing sin and fooling around with our walk with God and giving people more power, let people knock us out of alignment with our purpose and then we'll never be satisfied and we'll spend the rest of our life being resentful and blaming and naming our pain and that's the name of our pain right there, those people right there. And what if they don't even know you're mad? They just went on. 
So there's this whole thing in psychology. You know, when you go talk to a counselor or get therapy. I did that for a while. It didn't really help that much. Anyway, counselors try to help you figure out whose fault it is. Like, Grace, it's your dad's fault. You were raised wrong, bro. Your mom doesn't get it. It's her fault that I'm hurting. We try to name our pain. My dad, when he left my mom, and then, you know, I got to grow up in this, we're struggling. I wear used shoes, jeans with holes in them, or I guess you buy those now, but anyway. (laughs) And we try to name our pain. Guess what happens? What happens when you figure out whose fault it is? Now that you know whose fault it is, man, that you've got it all figured out. My dad, my uncle, my mom, my pastor, the last pastor two times ago, whatever, church people, white people, black people, brown people, Chinese people. It's them. I've located the reason whose fault it is that I'm hurting. Okay, now what? Now that we all know whose fault it is, still your fight. It might not be your fault, but it's your fight. And what are you fighting for? You're fighting to finish. You're fighting to finish your course. Listen, man, people are going to let you down. You're going to let yourself down. Family will let you down. Preachers will let you down. I tell my church all the time, I say, listen, man, listen, listen. You have got to stop putting me on a pedestal. Because the closer you get to me, the more opportunity you're going to have to overlook my humanity. Because this is what humans do. Humans let down your expectation. We can't live up to your expectation. Why? We're human. God, oh, man, it's 8 o'clock. Okay, okay, let let me say this. God will not allow you to abdicate your God dependency and exchange it for self-sufficiency. So whenever you're getting self-sufficient, God will shake up your life so you can become God dependent. And so, so you're, you, you, you know, you're depending on your pastor to be your leader and your guide. And you know what God will do? He'll allow that man to fall flat on his face right in front of you to see if you're depending on him or him. Right? Oh, my God. You know what's going on in the world? All these pastors are making mistakes. No, they've been making mistakes. They made mistakes the whole time. You just now found out about them. And I think God allows men of God and women of God to be exposed because they have allowed people to become too dependent upon them and not dependent upon God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You have an audience of one. Jesus only, always. And then love me through my troubles. Like, oh man, Pastor Steve Hayes. Pursue peace with all men. Be under the influence of grace, not judgment. How could he do that? The same way you could. You think preacher flesh is any different than your flesh? Let me tell you something. When I get hungry, I get cranky. 
You don't feed me after church, I'm slapping somebody. <laughs> right? Okay. Let's stay God dependent. Let me keep going. You guys okay? All right. So, we have got to provide the right conditions by finishing what God started in our life. Finishing and accomplishing our vision, our purpose, our assignment, according to Jesus, is what releases true satisfaction in the lives of human beings. And let me just sidebar something here. I do not believe that the purpose can be accomplished without a pastor. The pastor, many times, is the one that's carrying the vision that God gave him that includes you. So the vision is deposited in a man who declares the vision, and that pastor is the one that God has put in a city carrying the vision that God gave him that God wants for that city. And then the people connect to the vision that God gave. Don't connect to the man. Connect to what the man's carrying. And so, but I don't think that you could just go off on your own because God wouldn't have given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers unless they were God's hand to grow you up in your purpose. That's just a little sidebar. Do not cut out on your pastor. Do not leave the church. Do not be unfaithful to the house. Do not go to lunch and talk bad about him and his family. Don't do any of that because what you're actually doing is messing yourself up. Even though he obviously lacks discernment in guest speakers. So let's talk about the attitude. You know, that's the loudest amen I got all week right there. <laughs> Second Timothy 4, 7. Let's talk about the attitude of a finisher and then we'll pray and see what God will do here. So Timothy is receiving final communication from the Apostle Paul. And he said, this is uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7. He said, listen, I'm getting ready to be poured out as a drink offering. He said, but this is what I've done. I fought the good fight. I finished my course and I kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Point number one, attitude number one, is that you have to understand that we are in a fight you're fighting for your destiny. You're fighting people, places, things, the devil, your upbringing, people's mistakes, uh, people's humanity, your own fears, you're fighting your own experiences, you're fighting your own upbringing. And here's the reality. You've got to fight the good fight. The reason why they call it a good fight is because every fight I've ever been in that's been good, I've won. I, I never fought a fight that I got my butt kicked and go, that was a good fight. No, the only good fight is the fight you win. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is fight in a way that you win. Be aware of your opponent. Be aware of your deficiencies. Be aware of how powerful God is on the inside of you. Be aware that the devil wants you to stop, quit, miss, and not finish so you live an unfulfilled, dissatisfied 
lousy life and people are watching you. Nobody wants to be that kind of a Christian. We're fighting against past and pain and problems and old patterns and sin and self and Satan. And we'll never finish if we don't learn to fight and contend with our adversary. You got to pray and press. You got to seek the Lord. You got to keep going. You got to not quit. Fight with your purpose. Not fight your purpose. Fight with it. Second thing he said is, I, I finished the race. You got to make it to the end. You got to go over, not under. You got you to have a purpose. You got to have a plan. You got to have a bullseye. You got to have a divinely designated destiny. You can't quit. And if you're serious about your Christ following, you're a part of something that's bigger than you. Remember I told you the other night, listen, quitting always promise you, promises you relief, but it only produces regret from which there is no relief. Don't quit. Don't stop. Finish. Come on, baby. And then I've kept the faith to finish and bring God glory and to release a satisfaction in your disposition, you've got to keep your trust and your reliance and your loyalty in and on God. I've kept the faith. Listen, your faith is only as good as what it's in. If you have faith in people, then your faith is suspect all the time. If you have faith in money, it's up and down. You have faith in the stock market. You have no faith right now. I put all my faith in cryptocurrency. I have minus faith now. I put my faith in religion. Well, how's that working for you? You have to put your faith in God so that you have God-like faith. Stop putting your faith in people. Put your love in people. Put your faith in God. I kept the faith. That means you got to keep it. No, let me have it. No, you can't have my faith. No, you can't have my belief. Well, I'm going to act up in front of you. I don't care. Act up however. Be the act the fool. Shack the fool. Whatever. You're not getting my faith because my faith is not in you. My love is for you and my love covers your sin. You can only cover someone's sin with your love if your faith is in God. Now, this is about as radical as it gets right here. Acts chapter 20. I love, 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 love this scripture. I wanted to get a tattoo, except I didn't want to get a divorce. <laughs> Plus, what is a 65-year-old man going to be doing with a tattoo, a new tattoo? You know, like, when would you get that, pastor, across your chest? All right, Acts chapter 20, verse 22, I kept the faith. Watch this, watch this. Can you do this? Can we live like what I'm about to read? This is my mantra, man. I'm this ghetto kid from Los Angeles with no pedigree. Nobody ever gave me a chance to be anything or be anybody. I always got ridiculed. I was always the little guy, the smart aleck guy, the talker guy. He's the one that'll never be anything. My dad told me, the best you can ever do is own a hamburger stand. 
He goes, I'll help you. But you and your wife, Pastor Josh, can you imagine me going, you want cheese on that? You want half and half fries and onion rings? You know, hey, Steve Burgers. That's what my dad told me the best I could do. The best you could ever do is just own your own restaurant. What? He goes, oh, you're a people person. You'd be great at it. Maybe I would, but I would hate myself coming home smelling like grease every day. I'm not mad at you. Look, if that's what you do with your life, I ain't mad at you. Like, I'll go, me and Josh will go there after church for dinner, and you can make a pastrami burger for us or whatever. But for me, I wasn't called to flipping burgers, but I'm not mad at that. For me, I would have been missing my destiny. But that's what my dad told me was the highest I could go. That's my point. I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm, I'm above making burgers. No, I'm not above making burgers. My wife's got me in the backyard flipping burgers all the freaking time with these grandkids. Okay? But that's just not my destiny. That wasn't my destiny. Maybe it's yours. Open a chain of hamburger stands and buy the church a building. You know, I'm not mad at you. Go ahead. And then bring me some onion rings. I don't care. Okay, so watch this. It says... Now, and now, behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that are going to happen to me when I get there. I'm bound in the spirit, the Bible says. That means that God has roped the apostle Paul in with the spirit. I'm bound to it. I can't get away from the spirit and the spirit keeps telling me to go to Jerusalem but I don't know what's going to happen when I get there I just know I got to go there and he hasn't shown me what's going to happen when I get there but all I know is the only way I'm going to avoid doing this is to separate from the spirit but I'm bound to the spirit so I got to go when I don't know next verse come on Faster. (laughs) This is all that I do know. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get to Jerusalem, but let me tell you what's going to happen to me along the way. Only this I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that I'm going to go to prison and people are going to beat me, and that's what's facing me on my way to Jerusalem. So the only thing God showed him is you're going to go through some trouble. You're going to go to jail. You're going to get the heck beat out of you. People are going to spit on you, ridicule you. And that's before you get there in every city. And we can't get over somebody hurting our feelings. We can't get over some preacher that has issues you don't know about letting us down we can't get over nothing we're sissies this dude said listen i gotta go through a bunch of cities to get to jerusalem and every city i go to i'm gonna go through hell get into my destiny all i know is it's gonna be hard getting there next thing next verse he says but i don't consider my life worth anything My aim is to finish the race, to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. To finish the race, 
to finish the course, to bring God glory, to be satisfied and gratified. Listen, man, this is awesome. Verse 24 says this in the real Bible. And this is my mantra. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy in verse 24 says this, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Listen, man, I was raised in abuse. I was raised in poverty. I was raised the only white family in an all-black neighborhood in Los Angeles. I was the only white kid in an all-black gang when I got saved. I had an afro and an attitude. I had no chance. My two best friends, Cornelius and Rob, are doing life in prison for murder and bank robbery. I was the third one. We were the terrorizers of the neighborhood. That was where I came from. Every single man of God I've ever served has let me down. Every one of them. Every spiritual father proved to not hold up his end of the bargain. I held up mine, they didn't hold up theirs. And you know what I always say to myself? None of this moves me. My upbringing doesn't move me. My pedigree doesn't move me. Your criticism doesn't move me. You not believing in me doesn't move me. None of these things move me. Why? I got to finish what God started in my life. I got to finish. My goodness, what are we doing? We let some little thing trip us up and trip us out and knock us out of line. Why? Because we let stupid stuff move us. And here the apostle Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem, come hell or high water, come imprisonment, difficulty, beatings, criticisms, people talking about me. I got to get to Jerusalem because that's where Jesus is sending me. And if you're bound to the spirit, people's nonsense doesn't move you off of your course. Amen. I don't consider anything in my life dear. My, so that's the tattoo I want. None of these things move me. Thug life. Come on, somebody. He says, I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to fulfill the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, and that is to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Man. Grace, come up here and Play some Marvin Gaye or something. Are you Grace? I don't care. I'm asking you to get up here. You need to finish your course. Don't worry about her. I'm in charge. Come on. Forgive us, Miha. Come on. What a rule keeper, huh, Helen? Is she this, like... Rule obeying at home, we got to talk. No, play something. No one's mad. Don't worry about it. I'm going to come back next time. Where's Grace? The other piano player killed her. (laughs) 
person. Some of you are on the verge tonight. You want to get unstuck. You've been letting inferior things to your purpose get in the way of your purpose. Inferior people, inferior places, inferior things, inferior narratives in your own head. Right? Ishmael? Is that right? Don't you let the opposition define you? Are you his mom? You got to pray in mom. You have no chance of messing up. This woman been praying for yourself for a really long time. You are the product of her prayers. She don't care about her. You got to be success enough to go back and take care of her and honor her and bless her because her prayers have got you where you are there ain't no friend there's no popularity there's no invitation from your generation that's more powerful than her prayers you told me this week I want to be a pastor and what did I tell you read your Bible and serve your butt off and you'll be great in the kingdom amen you do that and I want you to start praying for me because if your prayers can produce a kid like this that wants to be a pastor in this day and age you got some juice baby better like throw some Pastor Steve up in there every once in a while just be like help him Lord or something I was preaching at a church in New York one time and this lady old grandma lady kept waving a hanky and she kept saying well like well I didn't know if she was like going help him Jesus I don't know like she just kept going well instead of saying amen or preach it or help him Lord well that was her way of supporting. Just wave your hand and go, well, somehow God will know what to do. Listen, some of you have been held back. You've given too many days of your destiny to the devil. You want to finish. You want to get some steel, molten steel poured into your spine. Where the power of God has more power than your homies. Seriously? This life that promises unfulfillment forever. As opposed to a life that will fulfill you all the days of your life. I'm talking to your mom right now. telling you that you're on the verge of that or we just press past it baby none of these things move me so I can finish you hear what I'm saying dog like really you're gonna give all
all that power over this? Whatever happened back there is trying to tell you what's going to happen up here. You got to lose, you need to unhook that U-Haul with an outhouse sloshing around in it and let the devil have all that stuff. You need to get on with it, baby. What God put in you hasn't left. Right? So I want to pray for you tonight. under the power of Mexican food instead of God. Okay, here we go. You're laughing, but it's true. You're here today. I very rarely do this anymore. I gave this call one time when I was preaching at Oral Roberts University. There was a young man that answered this altar call that I'm going to give right now. And there's only going to be two or three of you. He was 15 or 16 years old. He said, I've been following you. I want to be like you. Pray for me. And I laid my hands on this kid. And he now pastors a 20,000 member church. I go preach for him every week, every day, every year. I've been preaching for him for 10 years at his church. And on Easter, he had 20,000 people in Cincinnati. So there's something to this. And I got more stories like that. It's not anything with me. It's just God does things when you agree. So I believe there's two or three people here that feel a call to full-time ministry. You want to be, that's what you want to do with your life. You want to be in full-time ministry. You feel the pull. You don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You just know that that's, you can't see yourself doing anything else. I want to pray for you tonight. So if that's you, just come up here and put your toes against this altar. Come. What are you doing? thing you want to be when you're in full-time ministry is shy <laughs> boldness baby boldness so I'm just going to ask God to do what only he can do in your life I'm not look at me I'm not designating you I'm not calling you I'm not singling you out I'm not consecrating you I'm just going to pray for you that everything that God has put in there is going to happen for you. No, it is. Like you're not even going to be able to escape it. And it's going to be sooner than later. Yeah. 
rojo It's like you you haven't been distracted you you like serious about this I come you might be on the platform burning the like peeling the wallpaper off the walls for Jesus you need to give the devil a nervous breakdown praise sends confusion into the camp of the enemy it's really hard to sin and give God praise at the same time isn't it effect on women but like I can go into a restaurant this happens no God's good let it out man let it out this is the last day you're going to be fiddling around with that stuff evangelist just start your friends are going to hate going to dinner with you because all you're going to want to do is witness to the waitress <laughs> or the waiter you're going to you're going to be obnoxious it's your calling just Jesus loves you man our church is on fire follow me here we go just go crazy go back to all those knuckleheads you used to run with 
They go, look, get in my car. We're going. What? Bring your beer. Get in. We're going. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Get courageous. Pastor. What do you guys see yourself doing? God's asking you, what do you want to do? What do you see yourself doing? Wow. You down with that? That's awesome. Can you not let go of that? Can you make sure he never lets go of it? What's your name? Joshua. Joshua, of course. What's your name? Emerald. Encourage him. Look at me. You got to get bold. Your eyes got to burn. devil hates people that help the least of these so now it's public so it's going to get turned up your resolve has got to get like steel are you a part of this church I need for you to submit yourself to that pastor because that dude's a radical man he some stuff. I used to support him as a missionary before he was shaving. No, he's, but he'll help you take steps and he'll assign you go there, do this, do that. He'll pray with you. Look at me, without your pastor, you're going to have a disaster. So you'll have authority if you stay under authority. Okay, Joshua? How are you guys doing? his hair are you the daughter of the of the hundred over there do you do you have any musical talent you have singing I told I told pastor to put you on to get you on the platform to start singing yesterday I didn't even know I was right. Just lift your hands, you guys. I'm just going to ask God to bless you. You guys lift your hands. Get ready to receive. Heavenly Father, stir up the gift of God. Plant these precious ones in the house of God. Use them in a mighty way. Father, I pray that your anointing would increase. That the power of your love. Lord, bless this young man in a mighty way Lord use these precious people break them out deliver this guy deliver him and catapult him into destiny I break every entanglement off of your life man there's nothing back there for you 
their futures in front. You go. You believe. Watch God work all the details out for you. In Jesus' name, I stir up your gift. And at the right time, God's going to catapult you to the front of the line. In Jesus' name. And I pray you baptize every one of these precious people in boldness for your purpose. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. And amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. You guys go back to your seat. Okay, pastor, I'm not telling you what to do. You need to get the names and phone numbers of those people and you need to disciple them. Get to work. Like, this is the next generation, baby. These people will carry your vision. Did you see they were all young? Did you see that? My God. That is the most encouraging thing. You have the next generation that want to be in the ministry. Like they, they don't want to be in a, in a rap video twerking. They want to be in ministry. Wow, it's awesome. Some of you have been stuck and you feel like you're on the verge. You need just one prayer to bump you over the line, bump you out of that place you've been in. If that's you, I just want you to stand real quick. You're on the verge. You just feel like God needs to break it, break you through. If that's you, just stand up. Just stand up wherever you are. Stand up wherever you are. In Jesus' name. If you're standing up, come forward. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're on the verge, feeling a little stuck. And I'm just gonna ask God to break you through. Grace, you are doing so good. Mission accomplished, check the box. I want you just here in the altar just to lift your hands. Get into a posture of receptivity. You want to receive what God has for you tonight. In the name of Jesus, Father, I just pray for my brother now that you break him through. For my sister that you break her through. Break her through. Break this man through. Break this lady through. Break her through. Look at me. The fire's coming back. Like you were like on fire back in the day, girl. And then life happened, right? The fire's coming back. In Jesus' name. Break this mama through. Break her through. Break her through. Break her through. Break this man through. I speak breakthrough into your life. The power of God. The power of God. Look at me. 
not that serious. You can get your smile back. I don't know what you've been carrying. I don't know what you've been up against. I don't know what corner you're painted in. But the power of God is in your joy. And life has tried to take your joy. And God is giving your joy back to you. Your smile, your dream, your future, your hope. In the next three months, you're going to transform. Like you're going to be unrecognizable because you're going to be happy. I don't know if your situation is going to change. You're going to change. The love of God is going to start boiling, welling up. Out of your belly are going to flow rivers of living water. Okay, listen, the devil only goes after what's precious. That's why he's been on your rear end. Because you are totally precious to God. You're going to make it, okay? You better be here every time I come. What is your name? Jennifer. God loves you, Jennifer. I love you. You're enough. God's noticing you tonight. You're going to be all right. Breakthrough in Jesus' name. Breakthrough. saying you're not going to have opposition but you're going to haul butt through it you're going to be bouncing bobbing and weaving jumping over stuff God's speeding your destiny up so many good things in store for you so many so many in Jesus name breakthrough 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 for you breakthrough for you Breakthrough for you. In Jesus' name. Breakthrough. Breakthrough for you. Breakthrough for you. The anointing of God. It's going to get better, mama. It's going to get better. Boy. Boy, you've trusted God through the years. It's happening for you. It's going to happen for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just speak breakthrough over your life now. In the mighty name of Jesus. You go get them. All right? Amen. Let's praise the Lord one more time for these folks. You can be seated now. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I got to go. My, I got to be at the airport at 6.30 in the morning tomorrow. And I'm still kind of on California time. So that's like 3.30. That means I got to get up at 2.30. But I want to I talk to you about something 
that I want you to hear me tonight and then it's for the rest of your journey with Jesus. But I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and there's something that I saw in this a long time ago that I want to talk to you about. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 and you've heard this a million times but I want you to put this away and apply this in your giving because how many of you know that reach is only possible if it's resourced so this church can only go as far as the resources will allow it I promise Pastor Josh's vision is bigger than his budget right he wants to do more than he can afford right now I want to do more than I can afford right now so what limits us is not our vision what limits us is our resource so watch this the Bible says remember this everybody say remember this that means don't forget it's easy to forget about this whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly if you give a little you'll get a little next one whoever sows generously will reap generously if you give bountifully you'll reap bountifully next verse you can do it each one my Bible says let each one give according to the purpose in his heart not reluctantly not under compulsion God loves inspired giving let each one give according to the purpose in his heart everybody say purpose in his heart now look at me when you sow let me say it like this when you believe you have a small purpose it shows up in small giving you give according to the purpose in your heart and then whatever you give shows up in the harvest in your life big life small life it has nothing to do with amounts it has to do not with how much you give but how much you have left remember the widow she gave two cents and Jesus said she gave more than everybody but she only gave two cents I know but she didn't have anything left so she gave everything so I'm not talking amounts I'm talking in your heart the reason why people don't get to purpose is because they believe too small about themselves and when you believe small about yourself it shows up in how you give because if you sow small you get small life you give big you get a big life but you have to give according to the way you see your life so every time there's an offering in this church every time we conclude a service and you have an opportunity to give people watching online every single day the, the way that we give is one we're cheerful and two we're on purpose and three it's a big purpose or a small purpose you decide what kind of life you want 
I'm not trying to get money from you. I'm trying to get something to you. Because when it leaves your hand, it doesn't leave your life. It brings harvest into your life. Let's be a ridiculously generous church from this night forward. Amen? I love you guys. I got to go. It's been great. Thanks for coming back. I'll see you next time. Pastor, dismissed.